0: When I grew up on my parents' dairy farm in Michigan, and absolutely fell in love with fishing. I, you know, convinced my dad, hey, why don't we build a pond in the back forty, and I'll be more productive. You know, I'll get off the tractor. I can take a little bit of a break, get back on the tractor, and do my do my work. Total mistake on his part. I was out there fishing more than I was working. Uh, Gotten a little bit of trouble, but it was totally worth it. How old were you? Uh, I think at that point I was nine.
1: Nine, okay. Yeah. Driving th- a tractor at nine. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. What part of Michigan?
0: It was Lower Michigan. I say right in the butt crack, it was Michigan, <laughs> Indiana.
1: <laughs> Tell me what that means.
0: Right in the crack when you have your, your oh, hand, yeah. you know, you right got where show. Your wrist show. Yep. You yeah. got a show for Michigan. Yeah, that's right. It's like we, right there, right down at the bottom, the butt crack.
1: We lived in Midland. <laughs> oh, I
0: know where Midland
1: is. Point to my hand here. No, I wasn't. It was a little I felt like it this was sometimes, but I wasn't. <laughs> So you're on a farm in Michigan. You're nine years old and your dad builds a pond.
0: Oh, it was so much fun. So we also had a lake nearby. And you have to understand, if you ever go to lower Michigan, our lakes are more like ponds. Yes. I mean, you have to drive in circles if you have a boat. It's really (laughs) bad. We had a, uh, you know, lake near us. And so we would go catch, you know, smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, crappie, bluegill. I mean, just so many different things, catfish. And so we used that to stock our pond. We Uh would go catch and and release in our pond. So we'd have these five-gallon buckets, you know, walking down the road. And I grew up right next to an Amish community. And so the quite buggies, a bit of Amish up there. Oh, yes. Yeah. Especially Shipshawana, where I grew up next to. <laughs> so I'm not Amish, but I grew up in an Amish community. So you'd have buggies passing you and you'd be carrying these five gallon buckets, just super happy because you knew that you were going to be able to catch them later. And so um, that was pretty much my experience growing up, being able to to go outside and fish the ponds, a.k.a. lakes, and really enjoy it.
1: So that truly was 100% catch and release. Oh, yes. That was that was. Catch, transport, and release. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The only uh, fish I ever ate was fish sticks out of the freezer section, which I'm not sure is really fish anyway. <laughs>
1: Some of the best fish that I've had from up there, of course, walleye, I love walleye, but oh, we went up fishing a couple of years ago now, steelhead fishing. And my buddy kept saying, oh man, we got to get a perch basket, you know, a perch basket. And I was like, "Yeah, I want some walleye. And I ate walleye the first night, but the next, the one night we went out to a bar because it was on the only thing open when we got off the river and they had perch baskets. I said, all right, I'm going to try your perch basket and let's just see. It was so good. A perch basket <laughs> with fries and a, a beer and Oh, all, it's the it perfect
0: was, after river food.
1: Awesome. Boy, it was so good. Welcome into to Southeastern Fly. This is David Perry, and today I'm talking to Jessica Callahan of Jessica Callahan's Fine Art. Uh, Jessica, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, thank you for coming out. We're uh, high above the Clinch River today over in eastern Tennessee, uh, about three-hour drive from me and probably an hour or so for you. Is that right?
0: It is. Yeah.
1: So we're going to talk today a little bit with Jessica about several things, but mostly the influences that influence her fly fishing, not necessarily her... Her artwork, although that's a part of it, uh, we're not here to sell artwork. We're here to let you get to know to know Jessica and hopefully learn something. Uh, along the way about fly fishing and, and hopefully make a, give you a tip or two to be a better angler, even if it's just to come to East Tennessee. Fish over here because there's a lot of good water over here. Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, we're... there's nothing. Nobody come. Just kidding. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you will not enjoy it. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's snakes. <laughs> yes. A lot of big snakes over here. Yeah. Oh, now that is real. Yeah. yeah, there really are some snakes over here, but uh, some of the waters are worth beating the snakes back. You know they have to be good for me to say that because mm-hmm. I'm not fond of snakes at all. Nope. So Jessica told us a little bit about how she started fishing uh, on her farm in Michigan. So give us a, just a little bit of a background, Jessica, into into Jessica and her life.
0: Well, after the dairy farm, after I graduated high school, I went to college for a year on a, um, on a scholarship and really wanted to serve my community and my country. I decided to go ahead and give up my scholarship and join the military. I realized I was not getting any younger and I'd have to work harder to pass that PR RT test, uh, physical exam, and so I went ahead and joined. Fell in love with it. I was in the Navy. I was an aviation electrician. When they told me that most of the the jobs were inside of a boat, I could not stand the idea of being locked inside. So I had to be out where <laughs> I could see the land, or well, not land, but <laughs> the water and the the sky, the sun. I loved loved my job Um, I loved the crew that I worked with and unfortunately I got injured before I ever made it overseas so I was injured in states I fell about 10 feet and damaged the entire right side of my body I had to go through multiple surgeries I think I've just completed my 13th one this past year, and it really changed who I was. I went from being an active, outdoor, fun-loving person to somebody who just, it took everything to just even get out of bed in the mornings, some mornings. It was a definite change. I became depressed from the injury, and what had happened is I had surgeries to fix what was wrong with the bones and the muscles and the ligaments but during that one of my nerves got nicked in my knee and unfortunately that caused something called reflex sympathetic dystrophy or chronic regional pain syndrome it's the most painful thing ever recorded for humans it usually does not occur until you're 50 or above, and it does occur more in women than it does men. So I was a 20-year-old that had just gotten out of surgery, was still looking forward to my career in the military, and unfortunately, they said, nope, you are far too injured to ever be able to serve your country again. We're going to go ahead and medically retire you. And so it was a huge blow. I had given up you know, what I felt like was everything at the time as a 20-year-old to deal with this kind of pain and to deal with you know, the idea of, oh... I'm not going to be able to go scuba diving or skydiving or all these things that I wanted to do. It was it was really life-altering for me. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer in that. And it has led me to what I have a deep, deep passion about. And so everything turned out good. And I'm still walking and still happy.
1: Everything as a 20-year-old, that's an interesting statement. And that's different. Everything for a 20-year-old is different than everything as... A thirty-year-old, a forty-year-old, a fifty-year-old—that everything, quote unquote, air quotes here—changes as you move along through life. So once you made it through your surgeries, uh, and and I've I was part of Project Healing Waters in in Murphy in Nashville, the Nashville area on the Thank Canine. you. Yeah, it was, it's it's uh, when you go in, you're thinking. But I can I can tell you just a little bit about what I did. I went in and and they were having a picnic. And we were supposed to take some vets fishing. Just a few. There was actually there was just one or two as all those. It was it was in its infancy. This was several several years ago. Uh, I don't want to date myself, but it was a while back. (laughs) Um, And the water was high, and nobody really wanted to go out. But I had talked to the to the person that was coordinated, and they said, you know, the, the vet's coming all the way from Virginia. Oh, my goodness. He said, he's probably going to be the only one there. He really wants to fish. And I said, okay, well, I'll, you know, if the water's cooperative, I'll take him. Mm-hmm. Well, the water wasn't really cooperative. But whenever I sat and talked to him, we sat and talked for a little bit. And just just the nicest guy, super laid back, super humble. And I said, all right, I brought my boat, you know, just in case something went. I said, well, we'll just go fish the backwaters. We'll just stay. You know, you had to wear a life jacket the whole time. You had to, when I say jump, Mm -hmm. don't ask how high, just jump. You know, he was like, okay, yeah, I got you. So we fished, but his story was, he was injured on active duty and he was, went through that depression that you're talking, probably very similar to what you're talking about. It's hard to compare, but he said, I was just about ready to commit suicide, David. He said, and then my commander came and said, why don't you go down and check out these people that are fly fishing down here at the creek? That, was, that he was in the VA. So he did. And he said, that changed my life right there. That day changed my life.
0: It really does. And, and you know, my story is very similar and I know a lot of veterans whose story is even more similar. It's incredible how something so small can change your life. Well, I mean, you know, so small from a 10 foot fall, you know, so small from catching your first fish and finding that hope again. I'll never forget the first time I caught a fish. It was <laughs> so tiny. It could fit in my palm. And I am telling you when I tell the story, It was the biggest, most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was my beacon of light in the moment that was so dark. And fly fishing does that. It really does.
1: Not only does it get you outside, and Mm -hmm. we talked about that a little earlier, being outside. We both like to be outside, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it also brings you in contact with people.
0: Yes, and I tell people that all the time. It's not just about fly fishing. It's about the community that it brings you to. You know, I've had so many people in my life that have come from the fly fishing community and have been there for me. In times that I didn't have anybody else, you know, my family still lived in Michigan. I couldn't get out and make a lot of friends, and these people were my family.
1: When we talk through these things, we talk about it, and there are some people that are in fly fishing that, frankly, I wish weren't. Oh, yeah. But there's a whole, whole lot more that I'm glad they're there and I'm glad I'm friends with them.
0: Very, very true. I've
1: got a really tight-knit group of friends that I've had for a long time. Oh yes. <laughs> I don't want to say how long, but a long time. <laughs> and we still get together once a month. And we still cook and eat and tie flies. And sometimes we'll just watch a movie. And sometimes there'll be a problem that we need, a life problem that we need to solve, that we solve. Yep. And it's just a really good group. They wouldn't be my friends. I'm 100% sure that most of them would not be my friends if I hadn't fished with them and liked them. Yep. Fishing's what brought us together and then whatever happens after that happens.
0: Fishing brings out honesty in people too. You can really tell their mannerisms and who they are when they're on the river.
1: Yes, you yes, you can. <laughs> yes. Absolutely you can. When you got into fishing, tell me tell me what happened there. Kind of bring us along in your story.
0: Well, I uh, spent so I had all these these surgeries, and it was to try to help me with that nerve damage pain. I don't think I stated it before, but RSD crips is a nerve damage, and it sends these signals to your brain that says. You're, you know, wherever the, the problem area is, it's on fire. It feels like somebody is pouring gasoline over me and setting my leg on fire. It's stabbing. If anybody has ever felt a leg or limb fall asleep, you also have those feelings. So every time you try to take a step, you have these pins and needles and burning and stabbing. And it's not always the same amount of pain. Sometimes it's less. Sometimes it's more. So I spent those five and a half years or five years in and out of a wheelchair. So on my good days, I didn't use a wheelchair. On my bad days, I had to utilize a wheelchair. That was in California when I was still stationed out there. I moved to Tennessee, eastern Tennessee, and that was back in 2011 I moved here. I went to the doctor up in, well, it was the VA hospital up in Johnson City. It's
1: about an hour away, hourish away from, from Knoxville. Hour, hour and a half. About yeah, an hour and a half. If.
0: It was about two and a half hour drive for me there, and then two and a half back, of course. And um, walked into the pain clinic. Figure it was going to be like everything else. You know, here's the medication. I can't take the medication. It makes me sick. Okay, then you know, find a way to deal with it. I was still extremely depressed. Um, not proud of it, but it's part of my story. I had not seen the light in a long time and I was depressed. Um, I wanted to commit suicide. I just couldn't take it anymore. I wanted the pain to stop and I wanted, I wanted the pain, not only physically, but emotionally and mentally, it drains you. It drains you when you're trying to think of your next step and how you're going to move and how you're going to do something as simple as make yourself food. And so um, I walked into the doctor's office and they looked at my leg and they said, your body's cutting off circulation. We need to go ahead and amputate. And I begged them not to. And so they said, "Okay, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, give you a couple options. One of them was a neural stimulator implanted in my spinal cord. I went through a psychological exam. I was so depressed I failed it. Um, I asked them to please hear my case that it was because of the pain that I was depressed and if it made it feel better I could deal with the depression and I could get better They finally cleared me and I had a weak trial and once I woke up from the surgery I remember the sheet being on my leg and I started getting really panicked because that hurt. That was, that was something that was painful for me. And so I started going through an anxiety attack, trying to push it off. And I had accidentally touched my leg. And usually I jerk from any kind of sensation on my leg and I was able to touch it. And I just broke down and cried. It was a moment that was so much relief for me. And I had a little bit of hope again,
1: turning point in life. right? It
0: really was. It really was well with recovery. It wasn't just physical therapy. It was also psychological therapy and I needed it. It's uh, not something to be ashamed of. It's something that, that, If you need it, you need it. And so when I was talking to her, she asked me about my past, and I had told her, you know, growing up on the farm and loving fishing, and she had just gotten word of this group called Project Healing Waters. She recommended that I join it. At first, I was really nervous. I hadn't been around people. I wasn't much of a people person, you know, from being locked inside and having a hatred Right. It it was just a lot of hate in my heart at the time. And I took her up on it. I said, what do I got to lose? So um, we didn't have a chapter here in Knoxville. And so I reached out to the organization and they created a chapter for me. And so I was one of the first participants. I'll never forget. It. it was a fly tying demonstration. And I walk into a fly shop, Three Rivers Fly Shop, and there's about 20 volunteers. And there's like <laughs> two of us. <laughs>
1: so, That's kind of the way this thing goes.
0: Oh, my gosh. It really is. So many people, good people willing to give up their time. And... Um, I was intimidated, but I tied my first woolly booger. It oh. was olive green, my favorite color. I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? I enjoy it. And so that's really what brought me to fly fishing.
1: That's a long trek from from a surgery to a woolly booger. I know. How many, five years, you said? Was that five, six years? Something yeah. like that? It's a long time to... To be in that state, and we were talking earlier about pain and how you have those ups and down days, you know. Oh, but yes, pain over time is different than oh, I broke my finger or mm-hmm. you know, broke my leg, even extended days of pain is not easy to deal with,
0: it isn't. And that's, I believe, you really have to be in the right state of mind, and it really is mind over matter. If you can. Deal with the pain in a healthy way. Find a healthy way to cope. Then it can really change your life.
1: Shift your focus into something else as much as you possibly can, and exactly that'll help you get through it. A lot of the vets that that I've worked with, and I haven't worked with a ton, but I've worked with my share of them. They have something's going on, mm-hmm. and I don't normally I don't ask. Yeah. You know, I figure, hey, if you want to tell me, great. If you don't, cast right over there, and we're going to try to catch another fish. That's the way to <laughs> go about of, it. It's kind of my job to mm-hmm. to help them try to help them catch a fish. So. I don't really talk about them, but some will talk, mm-hmm. and it just leaves me, okay, The me taking a day off, coming up here and guiding somebody for Project Healing Waters is well worth my time. Oh, yes. I, just like casting for recovery, whenever I do oh, yes. that, I get way more out of it mm-hmm. than the participant does every time without fail. Yeah, Without fail, it's got to be better for me than it is for them because it's it's awesome. Okay. So after you tied your first fly, tell, tell us kind of where, where you didn't stop there. No. You you do fish. Yep. We're getting there. Oh yeah. Um,
0: it's a long story, but I promise it's worth it. We've got Maybe.
1: time. Oh, it's worth <laughs> it. I know it's worth
0: it. <laughs> so I tied my first fly and one of the volunteers there, his name was Buzz Buffington. And he is just such an incredible man. He is one of those people that his heart is way bigger than the amount of time that he he can share it with everybody. And so I really felt blessed that he took me under his wing. He um, started taking me out and teaching me how to cast, you know, teaching me about the difference of, of the dry flies and the nymphs, where they go in the water, teaching me about everything having to do with fly fishing. Not only that, he also helped teach me how to be safe about approaching the water. There's so many little tips and tricks I learned. Fishing the tail waters. you know, he taught me, okay, pick out something that's sticking above the water. If you see the water rising above that you need to make your way out don't spend another second, you know, casting. It's not worth it. Don't wait. Exactly. Because you can't always hear the horns when, you know, when they're releasing. And so it was small things like that, that just really made me feel confident in the sport and being able to get out there, which is something that's really different when you have to depend on so many different people to be able to have that confidence to get out there. It was just incredible. And it was a little bit intimidating. You know, I was the only female in the group for a very, very long time. And so... (laughs) Growing up with a lot of brothers and sister, you know, I I was very competitive, so I was like, okay, you're not going to beat me, I'm going to beat you, and and so it just kind of got me out of my comfort zone of being alone, and it put me back out there, which was really important in the recovery process. Buzz, um, you know, he even taught me the difference between cold water fish, you know, with trout, you only want to fish when it's 55 degrees to 65 degrees. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it exhausts them. And, you know, they really can't handle that and how they're so fragile. I had grown up with fish that you could lip, you know, stick your finger in their lip and, and trout. That's not the case. They're so strong, but they're so fragile in the same moment. And he taught me about the gill plate, how you're not supposed to put your hand in there. You know what the difference between barbless and barbed hooks are, and what what benefit it has. I mean, it was just it was an overload of information, but it was so wonderful. I felt like I was back in school, learning such an important thing in life, and it was worth studying for.
1: Knowing Buzz, it seems like the way that he would approach something from a conservation-minded yes approach. I would say yes. Okay, we're going to approach it this way so that you learn what what the right way is. And everybody's got a different different term for right. Exactly. That means different things to different people. But to Buzz, that meant we're going to do it this way. Yes. And you're going to get good at it this way. And as far as it's you being the only female, they learn faster because they listen. (laughs) <laughs> you know, they don't go watch a YouTube video and start flaying away. They're like, okay, what, tell me what to do, and then I'll do it. Yep. And then you, he probably put some repetition in there for you. He did. It's okay, we're going to we're gonna work on this first. Yep. Then we're going to work on this, and then we're going to work on this. I kind of grew up fishing the clinch as far as that's where my second fly fishing life started, basically. Mm-hmm. And safety on that water. I've been there whenever the horn goes off. Oh, and my not, And you don't hear it, mm-hmm. you know, because whatever's going on going on. He's right. That rock. Means everything. It does. When the water starts coming up. That's
0: your lifeline.
1: Yeah, and you can get in some spots here on this river that will, you'll be there, you know, yep. until you start floating. Yep. Because uh, you won't be able to get back to where your car is.
0: And that was something else that he really helped me with. You know, um, he taught me the importance of a waiting staff. A lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, it's just, you know, for the older <laughs> people that need it. No, oh my gosh, it is a saving grace. Yes. And, you know, he's like, Jess, if you get yourself into a sticky situation and you lose your waiting staff or you don't have it, he's like, you know, if it's between you and your fly rod, you take that fly rod, you, you know, have it and you use that as your waiting staff. And um, it was stuff like that 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 really helped me through it and to see that. This is a sustainable sport. Even though, you know, I have disabilities, I can still be out there on the water. I just have to do it in a more cognitive manner, you know, and it it was great. It was actually better physical therapy, of course, mental therapy, but physical therapy, you know, you don't realize how much work you're actually doing. The water doesn't care that I have disabilities. The fish don't care that I have disabilities. So I'm going to have to really focus on moving my feet through the water and how I step and where I step. And, you know, I do want to catch that fish, but is it safe for me to do it? And so it just, it made me feel like a person again. It made me feel like I, I could do something. And that was an incredible, incredible feeling.
1: And just a little bit of flow of water and you were trying to walk against it. It's difficult. It is difficult, but it's also some fantastic exercise because you don't think, oh, this is it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Like me trying to run.
0: Oh my gosh! You yeah, know, no. if I
1: try to run, it's like okay, if I can just make it to the next mailbox. Oh yeah. You know, I've still got my house in sight, but I'm like, okay, if I can just make it to the stop sign, and then finally, I'm like, this this is awful. Oh, I
0: hate running. I tell people all the time, you know, if we go out fishing together, you don't have to worry about bear bait, because I'm not even going to try to run. It would just be a sad story.
1: But after that, in that same situation, if I had to to fish that same length of river, oh yeah, it wouldn't be a problem at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do it. You know, give me give me a couple hours. I can if I have to. I can cover the whole thing.
0: And that was something else that was fantastic. You know, Buzz pushed me. I mean, he would be like, okay, you know, we'll park right next to the river, but we're going to fish to over here. And if walking distance, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I was like, what, are you insane? We'd go into the water and, you know, he's like, okay, we're here. And I was like, what? What? We made it that far? <laughs> it's like, wait, I have to get out and go back. I don't want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go further. <laughs>
1: It'll do that too, won't it?
0: Mm-hmm. That infamous one more cast. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That has gotten me in trouble more times than not.
1: <laughs> it's got all of us. You know we don't mean that, right? Oh no, I know. No, that's totally. A... It, it's a bold-faced lie, but hey. It's a myth. <laughs> So he took you, did he, did you fish the clinch quite a bit? We did.
0: So this was an area that really the Knoxville chapter congregated around. Eventually I actually helped create a tournament for veterans through project healing waters on this river, uh, Miller's Island. It has a handicap accessible, uh, ramp now, and I helped fight for that. It was something that was really important. One of the things I love about fly fishing, it's not like soccer. It's not like basketball or any other sport. Really? It's a sustainable sport you can do it with disabilities. You can do it when you have any kind of pain, as long as you're safe about it. And you know, injuries, it's really a healthy sport. You can activate muscles that you didn't even know you had and really strengthen around muscles, main muscles and and ligaments that are maybe worn down. And it's really fantastic. A lot of people, you know, they asked me, well, how do I do it, you know, if I, if I can't stand very long? I take a lawn chair out, and I sit, and I've cast. And I learned and, and taught myself how to cast, you know, sitting down. You'll see me sitting on rocks all the time. I'd rather sit rather than fall and faceplant. <laughs> Which if you ever see me on the river and I face plant, you have to rate me. I'm waiting until I get to a 10.
1: <laughs> so what, what's your favorite part of the clinch? I don't want to know the favorite spot. Yeah, I'm I'm not not everybody's got their favorite uh, spot. uh, I'm not getting my secret there. (laughs) What's your favorite part?
0: So waiting. I really, really, really love. We call it the dark side and the light side of the island. I really like that light side, the side that not many people are willing to travel to because it's a pain to get back. (laughs) But I love that light side of the island. Oh, my gosh. It's so much fun. And honestly, the clinch was the first one I ever went down a drift boat on. So I love 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 drifting from Miller's Island um if I'm having a good day, you know, a, a pretty much pain-free day, I love to go to the jailhouse. Um if not, then I like to get out at Peach Orchard, but it's a great little float and it's so much fun.
1: Now the jailhouse for you folks that don't know about the clinch, the jail is right beside the river. She's not talking about it. she likes to go to jail. Oh no. She's talking about going to the jail to park up in that area and fish that area, which is a, there's a lot of sharp rocks. Oh yes. And when the river's off, there's not a lot of places for the fish to go. So it's kind of get a little bit easier shot at them sometimes, but it's also very difficult to, to move around there.
0: It is. And that's what I love about it. It's challenging. Yeah. You know, you've got your soft water, your frog water, and then you've got these riffles and it's like, hold on boys and girls, (laughs) you know, put up your big boy pants. Here we go. Here we go.
1: (laughs) You're talking about the light side of the island I took a guy there let's just say he's a, a friend uh and he, he sort of is uh, <laughs> but he he was you know
0: who you are yeah
1: <laughs> he's actually a relative <laughs> I, I don't want to give too much away he's actually a relative uh not that he's going to listen to this but he was he said you know I want to he was going to school at the vet's, vet school at UT mm-hmm. and he found out I fished and we well let's go fishing so I took him to the light side of the island and we fished and we caught some really there's some so there's some nice fish there.
0: Oh, they're fantastic.
1: And it's it's easy to fish if the water's clear, which it generally is. It's even clear today. Yeah. So you can see the bottom, and you can see where the fish are. So we fish for them. And then I came back, like, two weeks later on a Friday afternoon when I knew nobody would be there. And him and two of his buddies were standing in my hole right there. Oh, that's And I was oh, like, that's oh, up. that really... <laughs> I went and found some other fish, but I've never took anybody back there. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I have a hard time. I love sharing water with people and sharing the the passion of fly fishing, but I do have one or two spots that, you know, they're, they're mine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) We may fish one of my favorite spots, but we're not gonna stay there long. You might catch a fish on it and then I'm gonna oh I know a better spot. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Buzz takes you to the clinch mm-hmm. and you're so you're getting getting your fly fishing career, if you will, is starting to take off.
0: It really is. And
1: and then what happens?
0: Um, so he takes me to the clinch. I fall in love with it. It's a really diverse tailwater. And I really like that. You have the opportunity to catch brook trout, which most people don't realize. Um, there's brook trout in here. There's brown trout. And then you also have rainbows. You have, you know, more warm water fish. You have the opportunity to catch striper. You have the opportunity to catch bass. I mean, it's just so diverse, but he takes me out and I fall in love with it. I maybe only go one or two times out on the water and I slip and fall. By this time, I was going back to college to study for a uh, degree and finish my college career. And I slipped and fell while I was at school, and it broke my stimulator. And that's in my spinal cord. So I have to go back and have it replaced. And with the surgery, it's very, very crucial that you allow the scar tissue to heal around your spinal cord to allow it to heal around the battery pack that's inserted. Um, I call it my love handle. So I've got a big old battery, I've got to recharge the batteries, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so I had to have that replaced and with that surgery I was down for about four to six months months. Yeah. So I had just gotten, you know, this passion established. I'm freaking out. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't be out on the water. I start getting depressed again. And my therapist says, Hey, if you can't be out on the water, why don't you bring the water to you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like a glass of water? That's not going to do the trick. I do that all day. Yeah.
1: Obviously you don't understand. <laughs> I know. I'm like,
0: you don't know what you to do. Stop it. No, she, uh, she suggests art. And so I started creating artwork when and it's perfect for me when I'm not able to be on the river even now days that I'm in pain and I can't go out and I want to you know I either sit there and practice my casting or I create artwork and I create pictures and memories of these fish that I caught or the the times that I've been or the places I've been and it really helps me get back into that healthy mindset it gets me back into the point where I say yes yes I'm an, I may not be able to go today but I may be able to go tomorrow or the next day after that, or it may be a week that I'm down, but I know I can get back to that river. I know I can get back to that point. And so it it just, it was really healthy for me and made me whole again. There was that part that was missing for me and, and art really helped me fill that back up. But the uh, first time I have to tell this little story because Buzz was so proud of me. The first time I got to go back fishing was actually at a Uh, project healing waters fly fishing tournament it was in virginia and it was called the mossy creek uh, fly invitational yeah yep Yep. and uh so i go to it i meet one of my best friends you know obviously we talked about the community she was my sponsor and so we were the first all-female fishing team ever for for project healing waters and we get on the river we come Best friends instantly. We're we're loving it, and I'll never forget the first thing I held because you do have a weight restriction while you're recovering from the surgery that I had. The first thing that I held that was over five pounds was a rainbow trout. Really? And it was the biggest trout to date that I had caught, and I just I remember. The guide was freaking out. My partner was freaking out. Everybody was freaking out. I was holding my breath, which I didn't realize at the time until I, you know, actually had it in that. After I let that breath out, I sat down and cried and <laughs> cried and cried. That was the most special fish to me. Well, we fish, you know, the the first half of the day, the second half of the day, and the tallies come in, and lo and behold, me and my partner won. Oh. And I was so nervous and so excited and just a basket full of emotions. Half the time I would cry, laugh, you know, and then turn into tears. It was, it was terrible.
1: (laughs) Terrible, Terribly good, right?
0: Exactly. Terrible for everyone around me, but awesome for me.
1: So you go from having nice peaceful days on the river, Mm -hmm. enjoying yourself on the clinch and, and, and wherever around East Tennessee, you go in for a surgery, you start doing art. And you end up in a tournament, Mm -hmm. which I've always said, David can't fish tournaments Mm -hmm. because David would put all his focus in that tournament Mm -hmm. and wouldn't do anything else that David needed to do. Mm -hmm. But that's me. I'm highly competitive in a lot of different ways. Uh, Oh, me too. But how do you turn that part on and off? Because I like to I can't turn the, the competitive David isn't very nice. Usually I mean, he's, he's <laughs> super focused. Yep. David is super focused. The competitive David is super focused. Let's put it that way.
0: That's the way that I tend to be as well. But for me, fly fishing is so much more. And so, you know, everybody cracks up whenever they fly fish with me, you know, we'll be a half a mile apart you know, whatever. They're like, Jess, we don't need to ask you how many you caught. We heard you every single time giggling and laughing. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, people just, people hear you everywhere. And that's what fly fishing is for me. It doesn't matter if it's my first fish or my thousand fish. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a new species, if it's tiny, wild, you know, what? It's it's just so magical for me. And so at that moment, I was so grateful for it. But I will say, you know, after that win, I was like, nope, I'm going to be one and done because then I can say, yeah, I won all the tournaments I've ever been in. I'm a hundred percent. That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs> so what, how did y'all fish in the tournament?
0: Uh, so it's a spring Creek and they didn't anticipate that we would actually do very well. Any of the vets, uh-huh. um, it was 11 of us, 11 veterans and 11 sponsors. And, um, the spring Creek was really low. It was a really sunny day. It was terrible, terrible fishing conditions, just really, really bad. And, you know, I'm new to fly fishing. And so, you know, my, my best friend, Lizzie, she's not, she goes with her dad all the time. And she just, she was amazing. So she's very patient with me. My guides were very patient with me. We were throwing bug after bug after bug after bug. And everybody was like this. And nobody was catching anything. And so I'm sitting on the bank and I'm looking through the fly box. They give you a a box of pre-tied flies that the, the volunteers have done. And so I'm going through the box and I pick out this This one that has just a little blue shimmer to it, and it's black, and it it looks ugly. And I'm like, I like you. And so I bring it over to my guide, and I was like, hey, would this one work? And he starts laughing, and he's like, you know what? Why not? He ties it on, and that's when I caught that first big five-pound trout. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he's going buck wild, like just (laughs) crazy. And, uh, you know, he's like, hurry up. Stop crying. Get up and fish again. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So I'm crying as I'm casting, just so happy and Two more casts, and I catch another trout that was five pounds. And so I hand the rod over to Lizzie, and Lizzie starts fishing. She catches, and we're in, like, the last five minutes of the tournament. Come to find out, some of the, the volunteers had been a little tipsy while they were tying, and they had no pattern for this one. It was something the guy made up and said nobody in their right mind would ever fish this, but, hey, let's put it in there. It's like a joke fly. And so I asked him, I'm like, what are you going to name it? And the guy who made it, he's a bigger feller, and he just looks down at me, crossed his arms, and he goes, I'm going to name it the Bird Turkey. Turkey. Bird turkey. And I was like, okay, can I have like five more of them? <laughs> Nobody else uh, in the tournament, they all knew what they were doing. I had no idea. That fly took it.
1: <laughs> good. So the different, do you think your art kind of helps you pick out flies? Maybe not necessarily that one, but others.
0: I do. I'm very, very, very focused on detail. Um, very detail oriented. If you look at my artwork, it's very detail oriented. It is.
1: I'm looking at it right now. Thank you. Yeah, it is detailed and it, and it's, I can see that you've got different color. I'm pointing here at this brown trout on your, on the cup here. Oh yeah. The nice little, it's got a like iridescent kind of color mm-hmm. along its, along its lateral line with, with super dark on top. And it gets lighter and lighter as you go down to the bottom. So I can see where you'd be very detailed.
0: Yes, and brown trout are my absolute favorite, so I am very much so addicted to them. We all are. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs)
1: we all have that that not all but i can tell you this all my friends do and mm-hmm. i do too like that's the fish that we really want to catch
0: oh my gosh yes they are so stunning and they're so aggressive and they take it and so many you know they take a nymph they take it dry they take a, a streamer and once you have it on you're like oh yep it's a brown yeah
1: you kind of know mm-hmm. so a rainbow I, I like to say a rainbow rainbow is like a, a river edition of a tarpon it's gonna yeah. run and jump and
0: shake its head run back
1: at you oh yeah brown trout a lot of times we'll just go to the bottom and start trying to rub that fly off. Oh, yeah. And So you know it's digging. Okay, this is probably a brown. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of just, just their way of letting you know that, hey, I'm on here. Oh, yes. You know, get ready, especially the bigger ones. You better get ready.
0: And don't get me wrong, I love you know around here people call them speckled trout, but brown trout or brook trout. Brook trout, yeah. Yeah, the wild brookies—they fascinate me. Those little stinkers—they'll be like <laughs> three inches, and they'll take a fly that's an inch wide. Yes. I mean, they can't even fit it the feather tail in the mouth, but they'll, they're gonna—they're gonna try.
1: Their their head is usually too big for their body. The way it, oh yeah, some of the smaller ones that up in the Smokies, where mm-hmm. they're, maybe they're not getting quite enough to eat. Yeah. But their mouth is just it doesn't fit,
0: Mm -mm.
1: you know, they should be a foot long when they're eight inches long. Exactly. If you just, if you just measure off their mouth, Mm -hmm. they can be aggressive and fun.
0: Yeah. They are so much fun.
1: Yeah. We would, when I lived here, or I lived in Knoxville, we would go every Friday evening. Me and my buddy would go and fish up Lynn Camp. Mm-hmm. And we would stop at the gas station there at the bottom of the hill in Townsend. Yep. And there used to be this old wooden bench out there. And the whole summer, one whole summer, we would come back every Friday night, you know, after we got done fishing, we would walk out after dark. Mm-hmm. We'd fish all the way up and then walk back down and get out after dark, always, every time. But when we would stop by the gas station, there's two old guys, at least two, sometimes three and four, but usually just two. And the same old guy, we would dra- We drove up in the same vehicle all summer. And he acted like he had never seen us. And he would say, I've been fishing? Yep. <laughs> Catch any specs? Yep. <laughs> or, nope, I love me some specs. No. You know? And, it, and the first time he asked me, asked me I said, uh, uh, no. And then we got back in the truck, and I asked Pat, I was like, what do you say? He yep. said, specs, David like glasses no (laughs) that's what he's calling brook trout (laughs) oh my gosh
0: it always cracks me up with some of the names you know kelly Gallup's flies are hilarious and so
1: (laughs) they're made to catch anglers oh yeah they really are (laughs) the the, the names are made to catch anglers
0: my lord it is though I'll never forget a few of the times you know my 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 family doesn't fly fish they do go out with me um i actually got to put my my dad my little brother my uh, sister-in-law on their first fish on the fly rod but they uh (laughs) i decided for my 28th birthday i was going to treat myself and go out to colorado and fish the whole entire state as much as i could oh nice yeah and so my mom being my my loving loving mom she's like honey what are you doing for your birthday and i was like mom i'm gonna go get me a brownie and she's like Jessica Megan, I swear to God, if you take a pot brownie, I'm gonna kill you. And oh my gosh, just went on and on. I'm like, what are you talking about, woman? And she's like, I swear, don't you dare. You keep pure and innocent. I'm like, Mom, I'm talking about a brown trout. She's like, Oh, have fun, honey. (laughs) (laughs) And going back to Um, Sometimes I love messing with her and she'll call and she'll be like, What are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm playing with the sex dungeon. She's like, what? She's learned just to ignore me now. Right, but right. oh, it, it was fun in the beginning.
1: <laughs> so when when you went out to Colorado, did you just go out there by yourself? How did how did you do that?
0: Um, I ended up asking a girlfriend to go with me. Um, I told her I'd, you know, pay her way as long as she was there to help me navigate yeah. cuz some uh-huh. of it, you know, it's not safe for me to always go to the river. So the first place we stopped was Estes Park, stunning. Oh my oh, gosh, yeah. stunning. The first fish I ever caught in Colorado was a <laughs> greenback cutthroat. Oh, I was so happy. I was so happy that I lost my balance and fell down. And so I'm sitting there. She had taken off. She was excited too. Completely understandable. Oh yeah. And uh, so I'm sitting there, sitting there, you know, screaming for help. Hour goes by. I'm like, screw this. So I start playing with rocks, you know, and picking them up and playing with them. And (laughs) this little muskrat comes by me and he (laughs) must've known that I wasn't a threat because he came like two feet from within me and I'm just sticking my hand out. I'm like, do they have rabies? Do they not? (laughs) eh, this is a good way to go out anyway. You know, I'm on the river.
1: <laughs> so. so were you up in the park, in Rocky Mountain National Park? Yeah,
0: that's where yeah. I, I started out, Estes Park. Then I went to um, Colorado Springs. I went to Fort Collins, uh, Steamboat Springs. I mean, just all well, over. You put some
1: miles on the vehicle. Oh, then, I sure you? did. Oh, yeah.
0: oh, I sure did. And it was this ugly little red thing, which made it great because I couldn't <laughs> lose it. Fantastic. So,
1: Which was your favorite river out there?
0: Um, You know, I think it's... It's going to sound weird, but I think it was the Yampa River because it schooled me. There was fish rising all around me. We're under this bridge. They're rising all around me, and I throw everything, including the kitchen sink at them because I got so angry with them. And it took me a moment to sit down and just look at the beauty around it and just start watching the fish. And um, that was one of my favorite moments. It was the only time that I never caught a fish, you know, on the rivers that I fished. Um, even Breckenri- Breckenridge was fun to fish. Yeah, And... Um, it schooled me and it really made me sit down and it was like, wow, these fish are incredible. I mean, they, they're so smart and they're so cunning and you know, they are not stupid. No. And it was just, it was amazing because it really made me think about a different perspective. And so it was, it was gorgeous. The scenery was perfect. The fish were, were being complete jerks. They were giving me the fin and not their mouth. So
1: some days it's just that way. Oh, it is. You know, a friend of mine told me, it was actually up at Teleco. I was going to fish with another friend. And my mm-hmm. buddy, Pat, that really took me under his wing, wasn't going. And I was like, man, I don't, you know, I don't know if I can fish up there and catch anything. He says, you'll be fine. He said, just get a high vantage point mm-hmm. and sit and watch the river, see what the fish are doing, and then slide your way down there. And work your way to them and catch them. Yep. Okay. So I am. I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting up on top right up next to the road. And you know how the the road is pretty good ways from the river in a lot of spots. Yes. I'm sitting up there, and you know, just sitting at the road. And my other, the guy that I went with, he he fishes Army style. Like, he won't spend more than two seconds in any one spot. (laughs) So he's moving. And I, I purposely went upstream of him probably, maybe a mile. And then I just sat down and I was sitting there, I thought, well, I'll sit here and watch these fish and I'll eat my sandwich and then I'll go down there and catch them, cause I could see them and I was watching where they, they would rise up and then they would go back down. I was yep. watching where they would go to, you know, beside rocks and whatever. And I'm sitting there, I'm really, I'm just about ready to go down. Okay, I'm about ready to go down. And here comes the the guy that I was fishing with, army style, and he, <laughs> he gets up to me and he sees me sitting on the bank and he like walks right through the water that I I've been sitting there watching. Oh. And he just looks up at me and goes, "What are you doing sitting up there?" And I said, "I'm watching the fish." He goes, "Where are they?" And I said, "You just stepped on about 10. Yes. Oh yeah <laughs> So sitting and watching the fish, sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes it's sometimes you just come to the conclusion that it, maybe it's not your day.
0: Exactly. Well, I actually picked up a, uh, a trick. I had a um <laughs> so I like to create my own hatch is what I call it. Uh-huh. You know, you have a two <laughs> hook limit, and so uh, if I have a, a ratty looking fly or you know it was a big brown. <laughs> I'm going to say this, it's only happened like twice, (laughs) but if I had a big fish, you know, bend the hook and and Uh destroy it, I'll cut the back end of the hook off and I'll tie it on the back end of like say two dry flies. I'll have, you know, maybe two more, one more and the hooks will be off so they can't catch, but I like to create my own hatch and I've, I've really seen (laughs) a lot of fish come up to it and I'll put different dry fly patterns on and different sizes and see which one they come up to. And and it's an easy way for me to figure it out, but those fish weren't having it that day. I tell you what.
1: That's interesting because just the other day, it's probably been a few weeks ago now, we'll say, probably been longer than that. I decided we, we parked the boat and I said, I'm just going to fish this pattern over and over and over, a floating floating pattern, a, a, sort of a dry. Mm-hmm. I just kept fishing it over and over and over in the same spot. And I knew the fish were eating, and I knew I was dialed in on the pattern, mm-hmm. but I knew it wasn't like a huge hatch going on. It was just, it was kind of sporadic actually, but I just kept fishing it over and over and over and over. And then finally, I bet I'd floated that fly through there 20 times. My and that fish came up and ate it. And I said, I got you. I mm-hmm. tricked you into thinking that a hatch was coming off or something. I know you saw something down up here that, that you liked. Oh, yeah. That's what I say in my mind. It's probably, you know, a dinner bell probably went off in his head, and he thought, oh, I'll go up there and eat that. But anyway, <laughs> that's the way David saw it. <laughs>
0: It always fascinates me, and I try to to think about like what in the world is this fish thinking right now? Yeah, right. I just have to
1: remember their IQ is about a six, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and
0: they're smarter than me, darn yeah, it. They're
1: pro- they're, they just have good instincts. I just thought, that's what I, I choose to believe. They have good instincts. Well, you uh, wow your your background, and and then your coming the coming in to fly fishing the way you did that opens some doors and hopefully gives some folks out there listening maybe maybe they know someone that that needs to to get out for whatever reason yes uh and this is just fly fishing again it's a great sport to get into sport pastime whatever we're going to call it uh to get into yes so that and and you meet some really really terrific people
0: you never can be too young or too old to get into it i've taught you know girl scouts i had a four-year-old that could cast you know (laughs) 20 30 feet which was really impressive yeah yeah
1: and then then you you meet buzz yeah you end up fishing the clinch quite a bit it looks like you've got that say i love the clinch because it's really kind of where i started fly fishing
0: yeah i mean i
1: had fly fish before that but really whenever i decided i was going to get back into it i ended up on the clinch below what's known as billy goat hill which yeah nobody knows what that is so the story behind that is pat and his buddy fish the clinch pretty much every day Mm-hmm. It's right, it's right by Massingale Bridge. Okay. That's where it is. But that hill up there, somebody killed a goat and just dumped it out on the hill, oh. on the side of the hill where it got hit by a car or something. You know, they would come down and they couldn't, they couldn't fish that area for, you know, probably two, three weeks because of the smell was so horrible. Oh yeah. And they called it Billy Goat Hill. Because that's where the goat had died. Oh <laughs> but anyway, so we, we, we started fishing, really kind of fishing there and, and fishing all that pocket water in there and those those ledges and those drop-offs and stuff. So kind of got that same feel for the clinch that it looks like you have. Yes. Uh, and, and your buzz, you know, I had Pat. But, but your your story took a little bit of a different turn in, in the surgery, but out of it came some terrific artwork.
0: Yes. It has brought me so many opportunities. Now that I'm to a healthy point in my life, I love to give back. And that's something that's so important. Once you gain that passion, once you, you gain that confidence in something, it's really important to pass it on. And the great thing about fly fishing is that you have the conservation side to it too. So Even teaching kids, teaching adults. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard some ridiculous comments and I love them, you know, God love them, but you know, Oh, you know, you're putting your boat in here. Why do you have to to park down there? Doesn't it just go in a circle? It's like, all right, folks, this is not a lazy river. You know, Oh, I didn't know fish lived in water or lived there. And I'm like, it's water. Where else would it live?
1: Probably going to be some in there.
0: Yeah. So it's, you know, it's really important to teach people and to, to give them a love and a passion, even if they don't enjoy fly fishing, give them something to look at. I mean, I, you know, volunteer with many different organizations and honestly, it's brought me to some really cool places. I work with Soul River and I've gotten to go to the Arctic and work with the Gwich'in Nation and, you know, it's brought me to DC and I've, I've you know, spoke to congressmen, congresswomen about the importance of not only our national parks and our public lands, but also veterans memorials and there's so much that i've gained from fly fishing and it's just been incredible like i said the people that you meet in it they're your champions they want you to succeed and i've gotten so many opportunities because of it i've been to scotland i've been to patagonia i've been to to belize i've been to all these incredible places because people wanted me to experience it
1: People want to help. They do. They really do.
0: And without those people, I can't tell you where I would have been. And it's not just in the beginning. It's been through my whole journey. When I go through surgery, it's hard. It's very hard to be in a positive mindset when you know, okay, not only am I going to have to deal with pain, I'm going to have to deal with the recovery and, you know, not being out there and okay, you know, what, how am I going to deal with tomorrow? TV isn't the greatest. Social media has the ability to be phenomenal, but it also has the ability to be terrible and degrading and horribly hurtful. And so, you know, there's there's not much that you can really do to replace that feeling that that fly fishing gives you yeah
1: and the camaraderie and that sort yes. of thing well i appreciate you coming out and meeting with me high above the clinch river like i said the, the mobile studio today i'm about three hours away from home probably the fish the river is unfishable at the moment yes uh, there's they're running all the sluice there's a little bit of water coming across the top and then they're generating too so it's big water today
0: yeah if you are trying to go out fishing please do not go to miller's island <laughs> it's you can't even get to the ramp it's yeah. covered up to the stairs right
1: right and miller's island is not an island right now i'm no. sure it's probably completely underwater. Well, Jessica, where, tell tell us again where we can find you on the.
0: Um, you can find me at Jessica Callahan on Facebook, C A L L I H A N. On Instagram, it's at Jessica Callahan Fly Fishing. And I also have two websites. One is at Etsy, J Callahan Art, and the other one is at www.jessicacallahan.com.
1: You can find Southeastern Fly at southeasternfly.com and Southeastern Fly everywhere else on uh, <laughs> social media. If you listen to the podcast and enjoy it, love to have you give us a a five-star rating if you will and if you could comment give us a comment again i appreciate you coming out i thank all the listeners out there that really make this thing go and uh see you next time
0: thank you so much bye guys
1: Death march up to F- Fish Creek Falls, which is I don't know three three miles up or some crap like that. It was ridiculous. Oh yeah, no. it was terrible. Mm-mm. It was like a hundred and something stories.
0: Oh my lord! We went
1: up a hundred stories on my little walk thing that I have on my phone. Oh yeah, yeah. And it, people would go, "All right, you're almost there. You're almost there." And When we start out, we started out. <laughs> you could see these falls, and I told Delaney. She said, "I want to go hike." You know, she's all into hiking. I, was like, oh. I told my wife, "I don't really want to hike." <laughs> But I will. Of course, she's saying, well, you really need to. You know, Delaney wants to, and she's going to be going off to school and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, I'll go. So we, I see the falls. I'm like, this isn't far. I can, I mean, I can see them from here. So we'll, we walk down there, you know, and she goes, we sit down there and play in the water a little bit. And she says, all right, y'all ready to go? Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> she says, okay, the, the falls are up this way. I mean, I was like what (laughs) the falls are up this way they're up this trail so we get going i thought i was in pretty good shape Mm -hmm. i wasn't at all been there done that we're going up the switchbacks and up the trail and i'm stopping these old people they come walking by Mm -hmm. so of course at first i'm like oh hey how are (laughs) y'all you know and when by the time they got by (sighs) i can totally breathe (laughs) yeah this is really working and then people coming down would go, oh, it's not that much further, which is a total Liars. lie. Lay the mm-hmm. lie. Yeah. Then I was like, y'all just go ahead. I'll just, I'll come, you know? And then it was like, if I can make it to that tree, if I can just make it to that tree, I can hang on to that tree. <laughs> so I would make my way up to the tree, hang on to the tree, you know, try to get my breath. All right. If I can make it to that rock, I'll make it to that rock,
0: mm-hmm. you know? then
1: there's a dude that comes running by. He he came out of a little side trail and he was waiting for some people to pass us. So he's standing running, you know? <laughs> my wife goes are you running from something or are you just out running she she says i'm i'm just out running he said i had two beers last night i'm trying to run them off
0: oh my lord
1: yeah so you can show off yeah yeah and he takes off running up the hill when we got up there of course delaney's like oh i'll get my picture up there on the falls i'm like it's gonna have to happen i'm gonna have to be able to take that picture from right here (laughs) because i am not climbing up that waterfall with you Mm -mm. she was she was in much better shape than i was but anyway that was a, uh, but I love, love it out there. It's so much fun to go out there.
0: Me too. Just the winners are too much. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't like that. I do